Today we are finishing our series, Actually That's Not in the Bible. And since I've started this series, many people have asked me about other things that uh, they think that maybe we could talk about that are often misquoted as coming from the Bible. Here are some of the other sayings that aren't in the Bible. Charity begins at home. This too shall pass. Good things come to those who wait. All men are created equal. That's actually the Declaration of Independence. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Are there any others who had moms that quoted that as if that was scripture? No pain, no gain. Now, one person actually asked me about that, but I think that's only coaches that say that, not the Bible. There are hundreds of sayings that people think are in the Bible. Also, in my study, though, I came across some funny sayings that you'll never mistake as having come from the Bible. Things you'll never mistake as having come from the Bible. Uh, Ignore the idiots. It's a great philosophy of life. It's just not in the Bible. Uh, He who laughs last thinks slowest. The shortest distance between two points is under construction. Love is grand, divorce is 50 grand. Not in the Bible. A day without sunshine is like night. Fun sayings, but you really don't mistake them as being in the Bible. Now, several of told me that they have liked this series and maybe we'll return to the concept in a year or two and look at some of the other popular sayings that actually are not in the Bible. But today we're going to examine one last saying. We're going to look at the saying, to thine own self be true. No, that's not in the Bible. It comes from William Shakespeare's Hamlet in which Polonius is giving some fatherly advice to his 18-year-old son just before his son departs for Paris. And he has just told his son, neither a lender nor a borrower be. No, that's not in the Bible either. But that's what he told his son. And in the next lines, he comes to the pinnacle of his fatherly wisdom as he says, this above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day, thou canst not then be false to any man. Poetic words from Shakespeare. But the phrase has become enormously popular in our culture. So much so that there are tumblers uh, of photographs of people uh, bearing a to thine own self be true tattoo or other paraphernalia. People often say this phrase when they're feeling a little defensive, when they want to say something that sounds smart and sounds deep in their own defense. And it seems to me that this phrase or forms of it have become the motto of many in America. It combines two concepts that cannot be ignored, self and truth. Self and truth. And Americans are involved in a continual love affair with themselves. And our mantra has become, take care of number one. Know yourself, love yourself, and be true to yourself. 
And as a result, self has become the basic standard for truth for many people. And what they think and what they feel and what they believe at a given moment is for them truth. It's truth for them. But though we hear this phrase and many forms of it all the time, it isn't in the Bible. And as we will see, it's pretty diametrically opposed to the teaching of Jesus. But it isn't just pastors and Christ followers who see a danger in this phrase. Nicholas Claremont is an author and a philosopher. He wrote about this in an article titled, Is to thine own self be true actually good advice? Let me share with you part of what he wrote. The phrase echoes something which I have heard subscribers of a particular bland brand of therapy repeat as a sort of mantra. I just really need to focus on me right now. In fact, the phrase appeals to our complacency, not our resilience. Its function is to swell our laziness, not to stoke our resolve. Its use is to excuse our disagreements with society, not to force us to reconcile them with fact. We are all victims, suffering in vain, alone in our wisdom, against an unfair society that condemns iconoclasts. How do I square the circle of perceived condemnation? How do I ignore the majority opinion telling me I must do something or be something which isn't expedient for me? It doesn't matter what anyone thinks or what I know is good. This is who I am, and I'm just being true to myself. He goes on. It's a universal excuse, a get-out-of-jail-free card from the prison of having to consider and acknowledge your own failings and biases and whims. I don't have to conform to the world. It has to conform to me. Now, you might be thinking, but Pastor Steve, isn't it a good thing to take care of ourselves? Isn't it a good thing to focus on our growth and uh, our progress and our success? My answer is sometimes for some people. Sometimes for some people, I mean, there are people who are so focused on trying to please others or take care of others that it has become an unhealthy part of their life. I mean, we call that codependence. And I'm concerned that a few people will hear this message and move into an unhealthy cycle of codependence and allow themselves to be taken advantage of by abusive people in their life. But for many, many people, this phrase and others that are related to it have become a justification for spiritually dangerous behavior. Let me list three ways that this concept has become an excuse. First, it has become an excuse to continue sinning. An excuse to continue sinning. People uh, will say something or do something uh, and uh, it's sinful. They know uh, some of the choices that they make uh, that the Bible calls sin, but they will tell you, I just can't help it. I, I have to be true to myself. It's part of who I am. It can't be wrong if it feels so right. But the Bible says that when we try to justify or excuse sin and continue in it, we are actively rebelling against God. Secondly, it becomes an excuse to continue hurting others. 
to continue hurting others. People will say something or do something that is really hurtful to people that they claim to love, and they will say, I'm really sorry if that hurts you, but I have to be who I am. Or they might uh, say, I just have to be true to myself, and they might excuse angry outbursts or financial irresponsibility or unfaithfulness in marriage or an addiction, but being true to themselves becomes an excuse to keep hurting you and an expectation for you to endure the hurt. Thirdly, it has become an excuse to continue being selfish, to continue being selfish. I was typing some notes on this message while I was on a plane back from Brazil, and uh, when I typed this, I I was typing... um, excuse selfishness is what I was typing and I apparently messed it up because my phone self-corrected it. It self-corrected it to exude selfishness. And um, I didn't think that was inappropriate either. I think often when this phrase is used, uh, it is used by a person who is exuding selfishness in many areas of their life and trying to excuse it. They want what they want and they don't want anyone or anything or any belief to get in their way. And this last one kind of sums up all the others because selfishness uh, is a part of sin. Sin is always selfishness and a willingness to hurt others is selfish. And so when we say these types of phrases, we are often making excuses to just continue being selfish. But you know, there may be an even bigger problem with this concept of being true to yourself or to thine own self be true. When we say this, we are trusting and we are believing that we know ourselves. We're trusting and believing that we know ourselves, that we know what's best for us, that Our heart and our mind knows what is good and what is right and what is true. And the Bible says we don't know that. We don't know those things. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 17. It says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? My heart lies to me. Your heart lies to you. Our hearts are deceitful and they're desperately wicked. And I am not wise enough to know just how wicked my heart is. Solomon gave us better advice than be true to yourself. In fact, he said, be careful not to trust your understanding. Look at what he says in Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. So let's trust the Lord on this. Let's let Jesus show us the right path, the path that we should take in our life. In the time that we have left, let's look at what the Bible really does say in this area. Let's look at the words of Jesus to discover the right approach to this. In Luke chapter 9, we'll be looking at verses 23 through 25. We'll be referring to them several times in the rest of the message. But here's what Jesus said. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? To thine own self be true is pretty far from Jesus' words, whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves. Let's kind of walk through the words of Jesus in these verses. Let's discover some benefits of being true to Jesus rather than being true to ourselves. First notice, when we deny ourselves, we find ourselves. When we deny ourselves, we find ourselves. Look again at the first part of verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. To a world that encourages us to love ourselves, to protect ourselves, to promote ourselves, Jesus said, deny yourself. And notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, deny yourself things. He didn't say, deny yourself food, or deny yourself a place to live, or deny yourself a car, or deny yourself pleasure. He didn't say to deny ourselves things. He called you to deny you to deny you he was saying I want you to deny yourself the constant control that you seem to feel you need in every situation I want you to deny yourself when you feel like you are so important and so vital that you can do what you want instead of what Jesus wants you to do he is teaching us to deny ourselves when we have this constant deny this constant desire to crawl onto the throne of our lives Jesus said that we need to deny ourselves. So why is this important? Because one of the biggest consequences of our sinfulness is we begin to become completely selfish and self-focused. We begin to really believe that we are the center of our world and that we deserve to be happy. We deserve to be satisfied. And denying ourselves helps us to return to who we really are, to who we really are. You see, God didn't create me to be focused on myself. I am really not the selfish, self-centered person that my sin and my constant desire for pleasure has caused me to seem to be. I'm not that person. That is not who God designed me to be. It's not who God designed you to be. God made us to be loving and caring and a generous and other-focused person. Look at what Philippians 2 says. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We are designed to become like Jesus. We are designed to be like Jesus. We're designed to see others as better than ourselves and to think about their needs and their interests before our own. And when I deny myself, I find myself. I discover that the real me is really happiest when I'm giving and when I'm serving and when I'm helping others. And that's true for you too. 
So denying ourselves helps us break out of the trap of selfishness and self-importance to find our real self. Secondly, when we die, when we die to ourselves, we find real life. When we die to ourselves, we find real life. Look at verse 23 again. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. To follow Jesus fully, I have to be willing to deny myself and to forget about myself, and I have to take up my cross. I have to take up my cross. Just what does that mean? What does it mean to take up our cross? Well, the cross at that time was like the electric chair or the gas chamber or the lethal injection of today. Jesus was saying, to follow him, I must be willing to execute myself. I must be willing to put to death myself. It means I must die to what I want and I must die to what's comfortable to me so that I can accomplish what's best for him, so that I can accomplish what's best for his church, so that I can accomplish what's best for the people that he loves. And so Jesus is calling us to die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a German pastor who died in the hands of the Nazis uh, because he stood up to what Hitler was doing. And he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in it he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls us, he says, I want you to come and die. And that might seem extreme, but it isn't really. It shouldn't surprise us. If I understand the next verse right, this is what's supposed to happen to all of us when we cross the line of faith. This is what's supposed to be in our minds when we become followers of Jesus. Look at what it says in Galatians 2. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Basically... To be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, I must let Jesus live in me. When I was baptized into Christ, I died to my old life and I was raised to live for Jesus and he lives in me and through me. And uh, when I let Jesus live in me and through me, I don't get cheated out of the good things in life. I get to experience real life, the life that God intends. Now, Sometimes when we read these words of Jesus about taking up our cross and following him, we get it backwards. Sometimes we seem to say, or to at least imply, you know, Jesus, I am glad you're in my life. I'm really glad that you love me. I'm glad that you saved me. I'm glad you're in my life. Now, take up your cross and follow me because here's some things that I want to do. Here's some places I want to go and I want you to bless where I'm going and what I'm doing. We kind of get this backwards, but we died and we no longer live. Jesus lives in me. He is the leader of my life and that means that we need to follow him. You know, it ought to occur to us to say, Jesus, I'm following you. So what do you want me to do today? 
Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to touch? What do you want me to give? Where do you want me to end up? Jesus, if you want me to serve you by working with kids, I usually come to only one service on the weekends, but I'll figure it out and I'll follow you by serving you. Jesus, if you want me, uh, you want to help improve my relationship with my wife, I'll make time for that, even if it means turning off that show or that game so that I can talk to her. You see, too often we're claiming to follow Jesus, but we're trying to negotiate where he takes us. We're trying to negotiate where we end up. I, I remember 10 years ago when Jill and I were seeking God's help on where we would be going next, what church or ministry that uh, God wanted to use us in next. And we said, God, we will follow you. We will serve you. But we want to stay close to our kids and our grandkids. We'll follow you and we'll serve you, but we want to stay close to our kids and our grandkids. And they were all in Arizona at the time. And so we looked at ministries and jobs within about 400 miles of Phoenix and the doors kept closing. And we kept negotiating. And we negotiated hard with God. We explained to him how important it was for us to be close to our kids and our grandkids. We explained to God why it was even better for his church, for his kingdom, for us to be near our kids and how that was really better. And it seemed like the harder we negotiated, the harder the doors slammed. And it wasn't until we took the limits off of God and stopped negotiating that God opened the right door for us to come here and to serve him with you here at Impact. You know what I'm guessing? I'm guessing there are people in this room right now who are negotiating with God. You're trying to negotiate with God. You're saying, God, I will take up my cross and I will follow you as long as you don't uh, ask me to give the way the Bible teaches. God, I will take up my cross, I will follow you fully as long as you don't ask me to forgive that person who has hurt me or hurt someone that I love. Or God, I, I will really do it. I will die to myself. And uh, as long as that doesn't involve having to miss those weekend trips or sporting events so that I can serve at impact. And God, I'll take up my cross unless it means I have to end up believing that part of the Bible that seems outdated or inconvenient to me right now. Here's the deal. As long as you're negotiating, you haven't denied yourself. As long as you're negotiating, you haven't taken up your cross and you aren't following him fully. Following Jesus means he gets to decide where you end up. You might want to just say to him in prayer Jesus what do you want me to do today Jesus what do you want to do with my life Jesus where do you want me to end up and then say if you show me the way I promise I will follow you because you are the leader of my life and it's only when I'm willing to die to myself that I experience the absolute joy of Jesus living within me and using me and loving others through me. Lastly, when we sacrifice ourselves, we find tr true blessings. When we sacrifice ourselves, we find 
true blessings. It's common today to hear people talk about uh, their concern of losing themselves. Losing themselves. They might talk about a relationship they're in and they may say, it just feels like who I am is being lost. Or maybe they're talking about a job that they're doing and they just say, you know, I just feel like I'm losing who I really am in this job. And I've heard this from mothers who are feeling lost in the routine and responsibilities of being a mom, and they just feel like they're losing their true self. And I've talked to husbands who were thinking about leaving their wives because they feel like committing themselves to one woman uh, has caused them to just lose who they really are. And each time their solution seems to be that they need to take charge of their life again that they need to take time for themselves, that they need to pull away from people who depend on them or care about them and spend time focused on themselves and rediscovering themselves. And of course, that often leads to selfish choices and sinful choices. But in this passage that we were looking at, Jesus addressed that. Look at verse 24. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What an irony. If I want to find myself again when I feel lost, I need to give more of myself. I need to serve more. I need to sacrifice more because according to Jesus, when we sacrifice ourselves, we find true blessings. When we lose our life, that's when we find it again. In Acts chapter 20, we read about Paul toward the end of his life, and he's on a journey back to Jerusalem, and uh, on one of his stops, he sends for the elders in the town of Ephesus to come and meet with him. Now, Paul served several churches. He started several churches, but it seems the church in Ephesus is where he served the longest, and he really loved the elders there, and I get this. I get this because I absolutely love the other elders and the other staff members of our church. Serving together in leadership creates a bond. It creates an intimacy that is unique. And so when Paul meets with these elders that he loves from Ephesus, he talks about how they had suffered and how they had served and how they had sacrificed together. And then he says this in verse 35. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. He quotes Jesus' words. And we often apply these words only to money. But in context, Paul applies it to both financial giving and to serving. He quotes Jesus as saying that when we sacrifice and give money or when we sacrifice and give our time to serve, there are more blessings from giving than from receiving. And it's interesting to me that this quote from Jesus isn't found in any of the four Gospels. It's not found in any of the four books of the Bible that give us the history of the life of Jesus. But Jesus did say this. I mean, we don't know exactly when he said it or where he said it, but we know he taught this concept. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Look at what Jesus said there. Give and you will receive. 
your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. This promise from the mouth of Jesus is one of the reasons that I can say with confidence that when we sacrifice ourselves, we find true blessings. Jesus says, when we give, we will receive. And not just a payback equal to what we've invested in time or in money. He will pack in the blessings. He won't just give you a scoop of blessings, but he'll shake it down and pour more in, and then he'll press it down and he'll pour more in. And even when it's full, he'll just keep pouring and it will overflow. And all of the blessings will overflow into your lap. And he promises this. And that's the first reason that I feel confident in saying that when um, we sacrifice, we receive real blessings. The second reason that I feel confident in saying that is because I've experienced, in my, experienced it in my life. I've experienced it over and over again. I mean, every time I have decided to make a sacrifice for Jesus, he has brought good blessings, good blessings. Like many of you, Jill and I made the biggest financial commitment of our lives for our Unstoppable campaign. And when we first made that commitment, I honestly was wondering if we were going to be able to keep it or I had already begun thinking of a few excuses we could use that when we didn't, you, you know, maybe some of you were in that boat because it was uh, something I just didn't know how we were going to do it. And I don't know how, but we're keeping that commitment and we're probably going to go even above a little bit what we committed. God has provided. Sure, we sacrificed my Jeep, her piano, many other things, but God has provided. And some of it's financial, and some of the best blessings are with joy and peace and contentment. And moving here was a sacrifice for us, and we had lost uh, many things just before we moved here. And um, God has restored absolutely everything we lost with the one exception of the physical closeness to our kids. And yet our relationship with our kids and our grandkids is still strong and still healthy and still good. I could share story after story, and I bet you could too. The blessings aren't always physical or financial. Sometimes the best blessings are just knowing that you're part of what God is doing in the world around you. But don't miss the last part of what Jesus said in that passage in Luke 6, 38. He said, we get to determine our blessings. We get to determine our blessings. He said, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So if you feel like you're missing blessings right now, maybe it's time to re-examine on how you're doing fighting off selfishness and being true to Jesus instead of yourself. Examine that in every area of your life because when we deny ourselves, we find ourselves. And when we die to ourselves, we find real life. And when we sacrifice ourselves, we find true blessings. Well, look back at what Jesus said in Luke 9, 25. It was the very end of his passage. It's a piercing question. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Have you noticed how empty the pursuit of everything you really want is? Have you noticed that emptiness? Have you noticed how fast the new things that you just had to have that become scratched or outdated or commonplace? Have you noticed how quickly the joy passes from the vacation you saved and sacrificed to take? And maybe you have noticed that he who dies with the most toys still dies. He who dies with the most toys still dies. And it's something that is an amazing truth. Being true to ourself usually means not being faithful to Jesus and becoming totally selfish. Being true to ourselves usually means we end up lonely and disappointed. So here's the bottom line truth. Write this down. I am most true to myself, to the person God designed me to be, when I am surrendered fully to God's purpose. I am most true to myself when I am surrendered fully to God's purpose. And God may be nudging you to do that today, to surrender to him. Maybe you just need to say to him in prayer, God, I give up. From now on, I'm going to be true to you. I'm going to find myself by being true to you. Maybe you need to say, I'll deny myself. I'll take up my cross. I'll be willing to die for you. I will sacrifice myself, which means I'll give up something that I have or would have had for you, or I'll give up time that I have or would have had for you. And when you finally completely surrender to him, you will discover who you really are. You will discover you. You will discover who God created you to be. And you will find the blessing of living your life to truly impact others for him. Let's pray. Father, right now in this room, some people are continuing to negotiate. They're continuing, Father, to try to figure out how they can live life their way and still claim to follow you. Father, would you give each of us the courage now to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves, to sacrifice ourselves so that we can blend into you fully, so that we can become like Jesus, so that we can become the person that you designed us to be and desire us to be, and through that, find complete fulfillment. Father, I pray for those that uh, need to speak with someone today, those that need to take a step toward you. Would you give them courage right now? And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.